nature absolutely thrives in in diversity and I think that we humans we are we sometimes forget that we're a part of nature and that we also thrive in diversity and that's what I mean by we're all individuals and we all have something different to give whether you're a chief scientist or a spearfisher or whatever you are there's there's that's something that we voice. can bring to the picture yeah and even when you talk about ind indigenous wisdom Well, uh, welcome everybody to the Sea Has Many Voices, and I'm so happy to be here with uh, Kim, Kimmy or Kim? Kimmy. Kimmy, uh, Kimmy, Kimmy, Kimmy yeah. Warner, the, the renowned uh, free diver, sustainability visionary, yeah. truth seeker, uh, extraordinaire. And um, we just spoke about a lot of things that you really got me fascinated by, but there was a couple of things you said that really caught my attention, and they, they related to the fact that uh, I think you and I intrinsically share this notion that people, we're marine mammals, I think. Yeah. And there's actually science around it, um, which you're probably aware of. Uh, the, have you heard of the community in Mossel Bay, South Africa? Have you heard about that work? No. They found this, uh, this cave overlooking the ocean in Mossel Bay, South Africa, and they started digging, and they dug back 200,000 years to the point when the cave was first inhabited. And they they think it was the uh, to the it was the savior of Homo sapiens. It was during a natural climate shift in Africa where the the interior became very hot and wasn't working for the for Homo sapiens. So this group of around one to two thousand moved to the coastline, and that's when that's the first piece of archaeological, anthropological, physical anthropological evidence we have of humans living along the coastline and middens. So it's when we, uh, can you imagine the first day, because we would have been living interior, right? And the first day they made, the, they made their way to the coastline, pushed their way through the bushes and saw this you know, immense body of water. They probably thought it was fresh water at first. And then they went down and discovered there was this food you know, mm -hmm. that they could gather in the intertidal zone high quality food it turned out because they didn't know that for generations and also uh, a great way to get away from predators you know after getting you know being chased by lions right. lions your whole life yeah. <laughs> finally you got a place where oh okay everybody in the water <laughs> <laughs> and uh i think it's probably where we uh began to I mean, not me the, the anthropologists that have studied this say that it's where we began to really work out time because we would have looked for the king tides mm -hmm. because the, the king tides would have pulled the ocean down significantly to really rich uh, protein rich beds of uh, mussels and whatnot so that's when uh, the, 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 the clock starts ticking anyway in the evidence in the for the physical anthropologists of humans interacting with the ocean and and there's other stories which we can talk about if you're interested sometime uh, it doesn't appear that they were diving there because you, you can you can look at the inner ear bones of people and years and mine would be quite occluded from right. all the time we spent in the water and the ear bones of the people that lived there were not occluded so they didn't do a lot of diving they probably waded out and picked things up 
the first place that we find occluded here is, is in uh, Korea, actually. The people that... Jeju. I can't remember their the names. That it's, it's the people that went from Korea over to Japan in yeah. reed boats of some sort. Mm -hmm. and they made their way down into the Pacific. And those people had occluded eardrums, so they, they were the ones that probably, and that's 50,000 years ago wow. or so. Um, so I, I don't think that the ocean is an unnatural place for us. I think it's a natural place for us. And, uh, uh, and you said a couple things about it that made me think of animals in the ocean, like you talked about a bubble stream that you saw, which reminded you of your, of your father. And then you talked about the physical, physicality of um, interacting with, uh, with animals. And um, I also, congratulations, you're uh, mm -hmm. expecting a child. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had, uh, <coughs> have you been in the water recently? I have, yeah. yeah. Do you see dolphins very often? You know, I, I, haven't, um, I haven't seen dolphins since being pregnant, so that is something I look forward to, but, um, but yeah. I, I studied dolphins for uh, 20 years in New Zealand, and uh, we were able to be, Part of my study was, the, the, I didn't do it, but I happened to be there to document it, the introduction of swim with dolphin programs. You know, the commercial operators mm -hmm. came in and started, people started paying to swim with the dolphins. And it was interesting to watch the habituation of dolphins to people. That was mm -hmm. part of my research. But one thing that I noticed is they were fascinated by pregnant women. That's what everyone says, yeah. Absolutely. Anytime a pregnant woman got in the water, they were all right over right. to her. Because they have the sonar and the yep. location. And there was even one woman who didn't know she was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and as she got out of the water and we said, are you pregnant? She said, no. And we said, well, the dolphins say you are. And she <laughs> called up a week later and said wow, that she was right. only a couple of days into her. So um, they, uh, they have, uh, uh, you, you just sounded like a dolphin to me, the way you were describing the ocean out there, right. and your, your sense of it. Um, and. Uh, um, uh, do you have any other experiences? I'd love to, I'd love to hear any other like uh, experiences you've had. I know our listeners would too in the ocean uh, with uh, dolphins or sharks or uh, just help. Well, let's open the window up for them a little bit about what's out there because most people just see this opaque surface, and you have had the privilege and the ability to go down and you know see things what's what's happened out there that, that comes to mind oh man um when it comes to animal interactions i've definitely definitely had a, a handful of experiences with very curious playful dolphins for sure right here in hawaii um probably one of my first interactions was was one of the best because this this lone dolphin just literally swam by me with a leaf and um, and dropped it right in front of me, kind of like teasing me with it. And um, and when I grabbed the when I went to grab the leaf, and it came back and like stole it from me right that's before. That's what they do. Yeah, I mean, before you, I could you know get about that? it. That's a that's a that's a documented play behavior. Yeah. And it was just it was just insane. Like and oh, um, with you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And. And that was that was a really neat experience because in the process of um, yeah him just I've teasing seen, me I've with seen the leaf and like stealing do it, that. it'll be a piece of seaweed, uh -huh. and, and they'll take it and they're so good at like hooking it on their fluke. You yeah, know? they'll just they'll just have it on their fluke and they'll swim off with it and then someone will try to get it and they'll pull it away then yeah. they'll let it go <laughs> exactly. pass it on to somebody else and then that next person and then they just pass it around like a football. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and so that that was a really really neat one. Um, that is a neat one. I've yeah. Never, I've never heard about. That. I've never heard anybody play. One of my my most recent um, like animal interactions, I guess, is um, was just last November in Norway. Um, we were in the Arctic, and and there was. Um, you talking about these cold places you go. Like yeah, that. <laughs> it was really cold. Yeah. I was freezing in this one, and we had like three or four hours of sunlight. Um, the sun was always, you know, and so we were just like shivering already. But there was um, a pod of orcas coming towards us, and I was so excited to see them. And then they just kind of changed course, and so I remember thinking, oh. I guess they're not interested in us because they can definitely they know that we're here yeah. um, and they went away and so I was just like oh well as it, they're floating and then all of a sudden I just saw these birds start to form into like a big group in the sky like in the distance and then I saw the birds started to dive and I'm like well that's where the orcas went obviously uh -huh. like the birds are you know that that means as a fisherman that means that that the birds see bait fish that are being pushed to the surface and so they're diving down to get the bait fish but that means that something bigger is pushing the bait fish up to the surface and so that just told me that that's what the orcas were doing and so i was just watching you know floating and watching it all from a distance and then i just saw the bird the bird pile in the sky start to move in our you. direction <laughs> and, and it just happened so fast wow. like where the birds started coming our direction that boil started coming in our direction and all of a sudden there were just dorsal fins just whoosh, 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 oh so God. fast I couldn't even see the actual animals like you could just see these like huge like three foot tall like dorsal fins just zooming by and I was like am I gonna get run over but they were just so precise and so fast and then everything just went quiet like almost too quiet absolutely quiet and um and I just remember like looking down into that dark dark water and seeing this glitter of scales you know but I couldn't I mean it happened, it happened so fast I couldn't even see them feeding or the action but I just saw the aftermath which was just scales and um, and I didn't see a single orca after all that happened um, but all of a sudden this bubble <laughs> this one lone bubble just like from the depths just started coming up and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as it did and it came right up to where I was floating and it came and it just popped right on the surface and when it popped there was um, a herring like um, actually so what it was it was um, it was a herring where the air had been escaping it it was kind of snapped like a pencil and um, and it was floating up this air bladder and um, and then it popped and it was just like this one dead herring and it was just like the eeriest thing and uh, and then so I just decided okay I'm just gonna take a dive so I took a you know took a breath took a dive right to where that bubble came from and went down to the darkness and then I just saw what was left of the bait ball and it was just like this group of herring that I swear I could almost see them trembling. I really felt like I could just see them trembling at me. And I even looked at them and I almost felt bad and I was just like... <laughs> These are the beautiful sounds of Hawaii around us. Dogs and chickens. Yeah. So, so the herring were trembling. Yeah, so I saw this like trembling little leftover group of herring. 
and I mean it, it was not a very yeah, big yeah. and it was the orca that, that ate them all yeah the, well the I mean I think most of them probably just dispersed yeah. or went lower or whatnot but I remember seeing them and being like okay and I as I backed up and I started going back up then this big bull orca just came vertically up with me oh my god and I was just like in awe I mean it was big and we just came up to the surface together and as soon as we came up he just very precisely grabbed that little herring <laughs> and went back down <laughs> and that was it but that was that was kind of that was insane that's like, insane I just Oh, I, I, I broke the surface and I just started laughing like in hysteria like a crazy woman because I just could not believe what, what had a, just happened. What a privilege to see yeah, that, to be that, part of that. That was really, that was really something for sure. I was in a bait ball once uh, off of uh, Cocos and uh, one of the cameramen didn't notice it, but one of the fish swam into his BC. You know how they do that? <laughs> wow. The, the fish, these are sharks coming after the bait, mm -hmm. the bait ball. And, uh, well, you gotta you gotta get the fish out of your BC because totally. the sharks will they'll, they'll know there's a fish there, you know. And it's like I got the cameraman and I said, yep. I ripped his BC open and got the fish out of his BC because because the fish was in there trembling totally, and trying, yeah. trying to hide. But uh, boy, they, the sharks anyway. I've seen them. They really you know you'll have a bait ball. It'll be two meters you know, two or three meters across and around. And after a half hour, 20 minutes, it's gone. They, mm -hmm. they're, just, they're just sharks and dolphins just, just come and just like, they everybody gets eaten. Yeah. Until you get a trembling little group down there. That's a great description. Wow. Right? Yeah. Thank, thank you for sharing that story. That's really Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember, um, I, I also had the privilege of diving um, Papahanaumokuakea, which is, um, yeah. yeah, the as you know, but it's like our nation's largest um, marine or monument period, I believe, uh, which is also, you know, the, I've the had some, the Northwest Hawaiian Islands. The Northwestern Hawaiian Islands, yeah. yes, and that's where, I think that was my first time really diving um, this super like apex predator heavy ecosystem and and understanding just how quickly things can just get vaporized like that just from the sharks. giant trevally galapagos sharks yeah. tiger sharks um, and that that was a really neat opportunity for me um, and another kind of cool part of my like i guess evolution of um of just of of, of learning my connection to the ocean and this planet um was meeting my brother who happens to be the chief scientist of the northwestern hawaiian island oh what's his name his name is randy kosaki oh i know him <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. he i i i hey, I, I assume that that you guys would because he's yeah. he's um i mean you both are seem so similar in the way that you're just these very big picture thinkers and visionaries oh, and especially with your that. like understanding of the importance you know of or your leadership of the importance when it comes to big marine protected areas being of the utmost importance right now and so he oversees the northwestern hawaiian islands um, and that was that was a really neat part of my life too um my my boyfriend justin and i made a little film about it but um but yeah, I always, uh, I, I, I only met him um, a little more than a decade ago because um, actually my mom, she had gotten pregnant when she was 17 years old. And um, 
and that was long before I came along. But um, but yeah, but at the time, um, she really she didn't really come from a very good or supportive family at all. So immediately she was kicked out of school. First of all, you weren't allowed to go to school and be pregnant as a girl. Um, and she was also kicked out of the house. Is that the goose? I know, somebody's <laughs> the, 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 the sounds of nature and Porter Turnbull. I gotta, I gotta go wrangle the goose. <laughs> get that the is so funny. So, yeah. But yeah, no, and, and so after, once she got pregnant, she was kicked out of school. She was kicked out of her own home. Um, you know, just was not at all supported whatsoever. And, um, and she ended up being told like, you know, after you have this baby, then you can move back into the house because right now you're just a bad example for the younger children. We don't want them to see you pregnant. You're a bad example. So once you have the baby, then you can come back, but then we're going to um, raise it as your brother. And my mom was just like, not into that. And she's like, I want my baby to number one, have a much better life than this. Right. And, um, and no, he's my son, he's not my brother. And so she decided at that age to give him up for adoption at birth. And so that's Randy. And, um, and, and so she gave her baby up for adoption at birth and way later in life at 36, you know, had me and told me this whole story of, of how I have a brother out there somewhere, oh. a half brother out there somewhere. And, um, and it was always my dream to find this person. And, um, and I, I, I didn't, I, we weren't able to, but, um, but he actually, a little over 10 years ago, ended up finding us. And so he had to hire private investigators wow. and whatnot. And, um, and, and then they reached out to my mom. And before I knew it, I, yeah, I was Googling this name, Randall Kosaki, and find out that, yeah, he's one of the you know, top etiologists and, yeah. and just this big time marine conservationist. Yeah, he's a great guy, yeah. Such a great guy. Yeah. And, and I'll never forget um, being so in awe of him because I'm just reading about, you know, all these fish that he discovered or species of coral or just the, you know, scientific justification that he's written to help protect and expand you know these areas and so I was just immediately his biggest fan and just like I can't believe this guy is my brother um, and especially when I hear some of his interviews when they say what was your favorite part of your last expedition you know and instead of even just saying oh discovering this fish or that fish he'd say oh the minute I can take off all my tech gear and go free diving and I was like what but um, but yeah but I was almost kind of afraid that when I met him that he might see me as you know, as like the enemy or something, like I'm this girl who I kill fish and that's what I do, you know? And, and I just was afraid that it, he might not appreciate my life path. And it was just so awesome that that wasn't the case at all. And as soon as we met, um, you know, he'll, he'll always describe it as, we're just like two sides of the same coin. That, that's and how I saw it. Exactly. When you described it, I immediately said, oh, same coin, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people, again, who... who you got to be practical in life. Exactly. A lot of people are practical. Yeah, who, who don't necessarily connect the dots, who might consider themselves proclaimed yeah. environmentalists or conservationists and use buzzwords like that, but really have no true connection or practicality, you know, of this kind of stuff. I think 
try and put everyone into separate boxes. Um, whereas with Randy and I, it's not the case at all. And um, and it's just it's just so neat to me that 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 we're brother and sister and um, and we can learn so much from each other and and enjoy so much of the ocean you know, together I'm gonna, I'm now. I'm going to interview Randy for the show. Please do, I'm yeah. Do he, he's I'm, a big fan I'm, of you, I'm, for sure. Well, I'm a big fan of his. Please, <clears throat> please let him know that. And uh, uh, that's what, what a wonderful, like... Uh, a grounding to hear and his that. old boss Aulani worked with you yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, I, I hired Aulani at, at CI before I left. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. She was the, um, I can't remember what she was doing before she came to CI, but she was there with him, yeah. Um, well, um, Kimmy, is there, uh, uh, is there anything that you'd like to communicate? I mean, any, I mean, we're going to send people to your website. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> You know, we're trying to build our network through the Sea as Many Voices, and now uh, thank you for joining that network. You're one of some 20-odd people that have joined uh, as, as guests. Is there any, uh, I always like to give guests the opportunity to say anything they want about uh, anything at all. Yeah, I guess um, <clears throat> my main takeaway from this conversation, well, I mean, first of all, I just love, I love the title, The Sea Has Many Voices, because I do think that, you know, that my main takeaway from the questions you asked me of, you know, what can we do or, or whatnot is, um, it's diversity is, is the answer, is that nature absolutely thrives in, in diversity. And I think that we humans, we are, we sometimes forget that we're a part of nature and that we also thrive in diversity. And that's what I mean by we're all individuals and we all have something different to give, whether you're a chief scientist or a spearfisher or whatever you are, there's there's that's something that point. we can bring to the picture. Yeah, and even when you talk about ind indigenous wisdom, I think that's one thing that um, indigenous people know so well is, um, you know, like when it comes to even the Hawaiians, it's like one thing that they believe is that, um, you know, these plants, these animals, that's their, that's their ancestors, that's their gods. It's not, it's not just something, you can't, you can't just sell that, you know. Um, you don't, you wouldn't go sell your grandma, right? right? right. And, and so, so it changes things when you, when you have that connection. And so I think they knew early on that you would never, because I think one of the biggest problems is that we do, we, we sell, you know, this is like one of the most, that biodiverse places in the world, if it's not the most, and um, and yet we'll sell this diversity for a single commodity for profits. And I think anytime that you do that, you're just making a crazy mistake, and that's just not the way that nature's intended. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's and I think a, it's the same way with people in their life. That's a really good point. You know, you know something? I, I, uh, I would say this is the second time during the show where someone has, like, put out a pearl of real sharp wisdom that you've, you're right, Darwinian evolution, evolution on this planet depends on diversity. And diversity is a function of habitat and time. The most diverse places on the planet are places where there's been life for a very long time and there's lots of niches. That's why uh, uh, Hawaii's got a lot of niches and in Indonesia, Malaysia, it's trenches and mountains and everything. And that in our society today, we're in need of diversity, mm -hmm. and it's a proven, it's a proven, uh, it's, it's robustness. It provides resilience, and uh, 
and the different approaches and different ways of thinking are, are what we need in the world today. I totally agree with that, and, that's, and you're right. That's exactly what the show is about. Okay. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> that's why we're doing this, uh, and, and with such a broad spectrum. And uh, and you've been a fantastic guest. And, and uh, uh, can I ask you to maybe come back on the show another time? Definitely. Maybe, maybe we can go down on the beach yeah. one day and walk along and get Porter and. And Evie, I want you to meet Evie, who's our, by the way, he's the first indigenous climate adaptation scholar. Wonderful. He's going to College of the Atlantic, and it's a new program to uh, take students from indigenous communities so who are severely working. impacted by climate change yeah. and give them a degree in human ecology so that they can, you know, help go home and help deal with the problem. I think that's, I mean, yeah, I know we're closing, but I think that's just the most amazing thing, and I do think that that's such a key to solving so many of the issues, and that's one thing I see happening a lot also in Palau, is that um, a lot of the, the scientists and the government leaders who are now doing this environmental work, the, the wonderful thing, too, is that they're Palauan, and so they also have this true connection, you know, to, to their resources, and then they can go get educated and learn this science, but come back and just, like, apply it. You know, it's interesting say that because Evie and I uh, were just at the Pew Fellows meeting over on in Hilo. I'm a former Pew Fellow and he came with me as a, uh, a young absorber of information and there was a guy, a couple guys from Palau and from uh, FS Federal States Micronesia and they were talking about the loss of culture and the loss of language. And people mm -hmm. are, are learning their, their, the ability to speak the local language is being lost by mm -hmm which really surprised me. And I asked Evie yeah. about Kiribati, which is a place I've worked a lot, and I said, is there any, are people not learning how to speak? And he went, no way. He said, it's the other way around there, that the language is very, very robust. Okay. And, um, uh, but it is a, uh, it is a problem. Uh, cultures, languages are, are endangered, just like species are. And uh, to your point, mm -hmm. We need to maintain that diversity yes. in order for us to continue to survive on this planet because we need, we need to draw on every resource that we have, every mind that we have, every approach that we have. And uh, people, will, people look up to you, yeah. uh, Kimmy. Thank you for living Thanks. the life that you live because you are changing lives. Thank and you. And I'm convinced that you're changing the course of uh, humanity on this yeah. planet in your, in your own way. I completely agree that, yeah. Like, that's the one thing we don't look at is ethnocide and how that affects our Earth. And yeah. everything too is that if we're if these beautiful indigenous cultures are going to become extinct, like that's all related <laughs> so much to the environment. <laughs> like it just there's no there's no space between that, and I think we forget that like we are so a part of nature that we can't be be losing. Well, that. You know, I said there were two things that came in the show that the one that you just said was a real epiphany for me, and that. I understand it totally, but I've never heard somebody worded that way. The other one was a science a woman, uh, her name is uh, Marga uh, Solar. She's a, a, a Spanish uh, scientist who was in science diplomacy. And she and I discussed the role of women in leadership roles and how, what's the, what's the difference? You know, is, I mean, I'm, I'm a big supporter of equality in all sectors. And, what do women bring to the table? And we unpacked that during the, her interview, and it's really, women think more about the future, so they are gonna be more uh, caring about what happens around, uh, around you, probably less, much more conflict-averse, and uh, um, 
that whole paradigm needs to be you know woven into our into our society. Uh, so, uh, and your point is uh, again the second one, which is one that kind of new, but I had never had anybody put it in such a concise way that the diversity of people, thinking, cultures, language, in a Darwinian sense, you got me with the science there, because <laughs> <laughs> Darwinian evolution uh, encourages that for our survival. And uh, so uh, thank you again thank for all you, you doing. So Thanks for the time uh, yes. on, on this, uh, is it Sunday, Monday? Or Sunday. It's Sunday morning at yeah. Porter, my, our, good, our mutual good friend Porter Turnbull's place, <laughs> and I'll, uh, he's going to be uh, on the show next, so thanks so Wonderful. much. Wonderful, thank we'll have, you, we'll appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs>